Hi, and welcome to People of PJC, a community audio project of the members of the Pikesville Jewish Congregation, in which we share our stories, our passions, and our past to shape how we think about each other in the future. My name is Rabbi Yechiel Schaffer. I'm the rabbi of Pikesville Jewish Congregation, found in Baltimore, Maryland. Our young community has grown over the last decade into a 150-member strong congregation with passionate people, accomplished professionals, and many ordinary folk with extraordinary stories. In this space, we share some of those stories. Today, I share with you my conversation with the Ferentz family. Dr. Kevin and Lisa joined our community at the very start, and they have been a true blessing to our shul. I'm pleased to share here with you now the chat I had with them. Okay, Kevin and Lisa, it's so good to see you. Good to be with you guys. Could you just introduce yourselves to everyone a little bit about where you guys come from and what you guys do? I'll go first. Ladies first. I'm Lisa and uh, from New York originally, and I am a clinical social worker. I've been in private practice for 35, 36 years now. And I also have an institute that I've been running for about 13 years where we give continuing education to a wide range of mental health providers. And I am an author and I am a consultant and a wife and a mom. I don't want to leave that out. And a soon-to-be grandma, which is going to actually go to the top of the list, I think. <laughs> Shout over very quickly, please God, soon. How, yeah. how soon? Six weeks. Six five weeks. weeks, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Are they ready? <laughs> Are you ready? Are you ready to be a grandmother? No, actually, no. I'm ready. I mean, yes and no. It's hard to sort of wrap your brain around, I am a grandma, but I cannot wait. I cannot wait. And I'm so excited for, for Zach and for Dana because I, I just know they're going to be amazing parents. So I'm excited for this baby to come into this, into this beautiful. What are you going to be called? Do you know what you're going to be called? Uh, <laughs> Conversation. Not sure yet. Actually, I'm okay if the baby names me, which I'm told happens a fair amount of the time that the baby winds up naming you. Um, in my family, the tradition is Nana, so I'm, I'm going to start with that, but I'll probably be called whatever the baby is, is able to pronounce, and I'll be okay with that. When my mother became a grandmother, it was very obvious my father was going to be a Zadie. He was always a Zadie, and we had no idea what my mother what my mother was going to be. And like, it was getting closer, it was getting closer, closer. Um, and at some point I was like, if you can't come up with anything, you'll just be the lady. It'll be Zadie and the lady, um, which did not stick to my dismay. Um, Kevin, uh, please introduce yourself. Uh, also from New York. I- I'm really from New York. She's from Long Island. I'm, I'm from Queens. I grew up in uh, a town called Rosedale Kennedy Airport. Uh, and I went to uh, college in Albany where Lisa and I met and medical school in Buffalo. And I am a family physician. I was on the faculty at the University of Maryland for 25 years. I was the residence mm-hmm. director for 12 of those years. Uh, my academic work was uh, in about smoking cessation. I was the head of the smoking cessation program for the state of Maryland. And uh, in the treatment of uh, anxiety and depression, I did a bunch of clinical trials. I'm now the chairman of the Department of Family Medicine at uh, GBMC and basically in full-time private practice in Owens Mills. Hmm. And you are my doctor. 
I was oh, not going to say uh-oh, that. Oh, HIPAA violations. <laughs> Sorry, full disclosure. Um, Kevin, what are you going to be called? You're also going to be a Zadie soon. Yeah, so I, in my family, it's, it's grandpa, but I think I actually want to be a Saba. I, I actually think I want to try out Saba. <laughs> so my kid will always, no matter what happens down the road, have that Hebrew name for me. I think I want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When we, when we were thinking about what we want to be called as parents, it, Abba and Ima kind of, it kind of felt just like very right, very future, very... And, and, and it's your first grandchild. It is our right. first grandchild. Yeah. That's very exciting. Okay, so I, I want to dig a little bit more into what you're doing and your expertise. I know, uh, for full disclosure, Kevin, right, as I mentioned a minute ago, Kevin is my doctor and Lisa is my teacher. Uh, I participated in your, in, as you know, participated in your uh, Ferenc Institute and uh, I'm now somewhat of a trauma-informed rabbi. You, however, um, somewhat. Lecture, Rabbi. You, you did not. <laughs> what was that, Kevin? You, however, did not show up for my lecture. Um, I give three hours. Uh, not yet. Not yet. If I could, I would. But remind me that we're currently socially distancing. So, Lisa, talk a little bit more about anyone who works in mental health um, and the therapeutic field for decades, as you mentioned. Yeah. Um, has a journey or has a story about like why they ended up doing this. Um, I know you once mentioned to me that people who go into trauma usually go into trauma because of a trauma they experienced and, and you were atypical that way, but thank God. What has this experience been like? What, what drew you to the field of, of trauma therapy, trauma informed therapy? Yeah. And you're right to say that the majority of clinicians who, who do gravitate towards that work often come with their own history and, you know, they're very passionate about wanting to, they understand what it feels like to be a survivor and they want to help other people. In my situation, um, thank God, my story was that I grew up in this incredibly loving and safe family and was always given a really solid sense of of worth, Um, always felt loved and kind of understood at a fairly young age, the power of that and the importance of that. And so at a very young age, my mom says I used to talk about wanting to be a therapist or um, a famous actress on Broadway. So I was either going to do Broadway or I was going to be a therapist. And I wanted to be a therapist because I wanted other people to feel what I was fortunate enough to feel, um, to have that sense of worth, to have um, that sense of inner peace. And I, I believe it's possible for people. And I think, you know, that's been my passion is to help people, not just with the healing, but really to help them reconnect with a sense of self-love and self-compassion, because I think that it would be a better world if we all loved ourselves in a solid way, and then we could sort of pay that forward and, and, and hold that empathy for other people. Probably also help that I'm the oldest of four kids, so I had a lot of responsibility, good responsibility at a young age, and my mom says I was sort of the family mediator, and um, she often also would tell the story that when I was like in kindergarten or first grade, I'd sit on the front stoop of the house, and kids in the neighborhood would literally come and sit next to me and apparently tell me their problems. And uh, I was very interested in trying to solve those problems. So um, we always joke, like when we travel, I have this sort of invisible sign on my forehead that says therapist. It's, it's just kind of interesting how people somehow intuit that and sense that. And it's a privilege, you know, it's, it's been a privilege to do what I do. I've watched countless people change their lives and heal and reclaim their lives. And I mean, it's just an amazing 
an amazing privilege to be able to do that. So I feel so blessed that I can. As a rabbi, I feel very blessed to uh, have you as a congregant. As I've told you many times, my job is to know what I don't know and to have people who have uh, your expertise in our community is really fortunate for us. I hope I've said this to you uh, at some point in the last three years, this summer's going to be the third year, third anniversary. I hope I said to you at one point, the, the famous phrase of Rabbi Akiva, the Ahavta Kamocha, that you have, to, you have to love others like you love yourself. There's an underlying assumption that you love yourself, which is where Rabbi Akiva starts, right? He starts with, with that principle. Kevin, how has Lisa's work impacted you? Oh, well, I've taught her everything she knows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, you got, I say that because you guys are, are a dynamic duo. I've experienced it myself, definitely through the last three months and constantly turning to you guys for the physical and the emotional, which are so intertwined during this experience. I, what I really want to say, Kevin, is what, what was it like dating Lisa? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> well, let's start off. How did you guys meet? Let's start off there. Well, let's see how we met. Going That's a good a, story. Back a very long it's time. Back a long time. Yeah, so uh, Lisa and I were both theater majors in college. I was a bio major, but also a theater major uh, in Albany. And Albany had a really, truly phenomenal theater program. And we went there. The, the campus is actually designed by Edward Durrell Stone, who designed Lincoln Center and Kennedy Center. And we had five theaters on the campus. And for the first three years, I was only taking my acting classes and other theater classes. And when I got into medical school very early in my fourth year, I was able to do four shows in my senior year because I had already been accepted to medical school. And one of those shows was with this woman. So and I saw him. He starred in Three Penny Opera. And I actually was totally smitten when I saw him perform. He's so unbelievably gifted. And then we got to be in a, in a play together. Yeah, we got to be in a play together that a good friend of ours directed. Yeah. And that sort of set things off. And then I went to Buffalo, and she was still in Albany for two years, so we traipsed back and forth for 280 miles whenever possible. A lot of Greyhound bus rides. This is before cell phones or computers. Yeah, so my phone, our phone bills were <laughs> extremely high. There was no such thing as a cell phone. I don't know if people know, young people know that, but phones actually used to have to be on the wall. On the wall. <laughs> yeah. we, yeah. we remember, we see them in museums, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, for a year, Lisa went to New York to try to uh, audition uh, on Broadway and, and get roles. And she realized that um, uh, I was going to be a doctor and I was going to have a very set <laughs> life. And if she was going to try to go off to be an actress, that... Uh, that actually wasn't going to work out very well. So I made a good choice. So she decided to, uh, she came up to Buffalo and had her own apartment for a year in Buffalo. And, um, and then I got into my internship and at the university of Maryland. And she said she wasn't coming down to uh, Baltimore unless she had a ring on her finger. So she gave me an old tomato as they say. And, uh, so we, uh, we came down to Baltimore. She went to the school of social work at Maryland and I, went to uh, the University of Maryland for my residency, and, uh, and then we stayed in Baltimore for a very long time. Yeah. Tell, tell us about your kids. Oh. <laughs> that always makes me smile, a big smile. We have three very, very wonderful sons. They are true mensches. 
it's funny, when I pushed out my third child and it was a boy, I remember looking up and actually saying to Hashem, okay, I get it. I was meant to have boys and I was meant to make sure that they were um, emotionally available and good dancers and um, affectionate and loving like their dad. And so um, I really felt like I was meant to have three sons and they are really exceptional people. They're all teachers and tutors, which is not a surprise because Kevin and I, so much of what we do really is about teaching. Uh, I think that we really modeled that for them. They're just decent, good, kind human beings, yeah? Indeed. Very and, proud of them. Before we just, Lisa just casually mentioned that they all needed to be good dancers, but yeah. uh, Lisa was uh, 12 years old. She auditioned for the American Ballet Theater. She really was a brilliant dancer as a child. So in my time. even in, in her into college, she really was really an amazing dancer. So if things don't work out in therapy... Well, you know, it's been so beautiful, I think, about our lives is that, you know, so Kevin was a bio major and a theater major, and I was a psych major and a theater major. And truly, we've done community theater, you know, for 30 some odd years. So it's, it's kind of cool that although we have very meaningful professions and careers about making a contribution and paying it forward and making a difference, um, I think one of the things we both are still passionate about is the theater. Yeah, we go to the theater all the we time. We go to the theater all the time and we performed and all three of our kids performed with us and on their own. And that was a very joyful thing as well to literally be on the stage and to look to the right and see two of your kids dancing and look to the left and see your husband and your other kid dancing um, is, is a very, very cool thing. We were sort of known as the Von Ferences in the community because... <laughs> <laughs> um, have I ever told you about... <sighs> You know who Twyla Thorpe is? Twyla Thorpe. Yeah, I sure do know Twyla Thorpe. I sure do. She has a magnificent book. Yeah? She has a magnificent book. I I read it maybe five, seven years ago about about excellence, about... I'm blanking right now, but I'll have to, I'll have to lend it to you. It's a, she, she, I would love that. She actually, in my time, Bob Fosse and Twyla Thorpe, um, we're really the preeminent choreographers. And so um, I used to imitate a lot of her choreography. So I have to make sure to get, to get that book to you. Uh, oh. It's a magnificent, I remember just um, the, the rigor that she had to go through to be who she was sure. um, and the, the, the emotional stress on it. I've been asking everyone I've been having these chats with, I've been asking them to reflect a little bit on what they've been thinking about over these past couple of months. We're living through, obviously a one in 100 years uh, experience. And uh, I think we all have different thoughts or have different kind of feelings around um, this whole experience. And I'm curious when you're thinking about it and reflecting on it, what, it, what are you thinking about? What, what, what do you want to remember this time for? You know, in a way, I think that the slowing down and the staying in, the, in place, that there was some good stuff about that. We are, we are incredibly busy people. We lead very rich, very full, very, very active lives. And there, there has been something about things getting very, very simple and simplified and staying in place and having less to do. Um, and I've, I've tried to kind of receive that as a message, you know, from above that um, there is something to be said for making that time and taking that time. And so, you know, although it, it's, it's um, juxtaposed with boredom and it's juxtaposed with frustration and sometimes even fear and anxiety, I think mostly 
I've, I've felt grateful. I, I said to Kevin, I had all these um, trips planned, you know, because I give lectures really all over the place, and everything got canceled. Um, and I started to feel really kind of grateful that I wasn't schlepping in and out of airports. Literally tomorrow, I was supposed to be in Toronto for two days giving talks, and I'm doing it from my kitchen table instead. So I'm grateful for the slowing down, and by the same token, I think it's also a reminder of how much we actually do need to be connected, because I think that the, the distancing has been difficult. I know it's been difficult for my clients as well. So I think it is also a reminder that we need each other and that we get, we get tremendous nurturance um, and nourishment from being with each other. And so I greatly look forward to being able to be with somebody who, and not have a mask on and be able to put my arms around somebody. Um, I miss that a lot. I'm grateful like, I can still put my arms around my husband. Yeah, what about you, Kevin? Yeah, I've spent a lot of my time trying to reassure people that, that this is not the plague, that we're actually not all going to die. <laughs> that um, I think when we look back on this from a scientific standpoint, I think we may decide that maybe we could have handled it differently. I think the media really pushed this to the max to really try to scare people. And uh, so I spend a lot of my day reassuring people and that uh, as long as you do the appropriate social distancing and wearing a mask, that you... Um, uh, you, you thank you, to, thank you, Kevin. Um, <laughs> then everything's going to be just fine. And uh, the numbers today in Maryland hospitalizations are the lowest that they've been in like 12 weeks or something. And so the numbers continue to drop very dramatically. And I think everything's going to be okay. So I look forward to getting back to a normal world um, in the not too distant future. Be nice to go to a baseball game. Yeah, yeah I miss the O's. We miss going to the theater. Yeah. I, I'm afraid to say I think those things are going to come back last, but um, probably, probably. And, and yeah. I'm glad that I know that Kevin and myself, but Kevin even more so, has really missed Shul. I think that's been really hard, really, really hard. You know, to be to feel disconnected in, in that way, and I've missed it too. And that's a good lesson. That was kind of good for me to to kind of reconnect with that. That wow, I really, really did miss it. I really look forward to being able to be back. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do wonder, and this is something I've shared with a number of people. I do wonder how much of this we might miss. I mean, and that's a, that's a really, that's a really fortunate thing to be able to say, right? In the middle of a pandemic, we have our health, we we're doing okay. So to be able to speculate on missing this experience, but as you were saying, uh, the ability to stay home and make a garden and, uh, build a fire pit and spend time with family um, and to pick up the phone and reach out to friends just because uh, you don't need a reason anymore to do that. Um, that is something uh, I'm also uh, uh, reflecting upon and, and it's good to be able to share kind of the space to share stories and remind, remind ourselves how much, uh, how much we like Shul and how much we miss each other. Uh, Kevin and Lisa, thank you so much for the quick chat. And I do hope to be able to see you guys in the near future. Amen. Amen. Stay well. That was my chat with Dr. Kevin and Lisa Ferentz. Uh, thank you to them for taking the time to share with us. Obviously, you can't capture uh, the essence of, uh, of their family, their lives, 
in the short few minutes that we had together, but uh, I'm very grateful for the opportunity always to talk with them and uh, to share our conversation here. People PJC is an audio project of our community, the Pikesville Jewish Congregation, uh, where we share our stories uh, and we begin uh, listening to each other uh, to think about the future we want to share together. I'm Rabbi Yechiel Shaffer, Rabbi of PJC. To learn more about our community and to listen to any other episodes, please visit pikesvillejewish.com or subscribe to this audio project on Spotify and or Apple Podcasts. This has been the People of PJC, a community audio project.